Hi, and welcome to the Print Spaces podcast, Sell Out. If you're an artist, then I'm guessing you would like to dedicate 100% of your time to creating work and to be able to fund the production of your work to reach your full potential. If this describes you, then you're in the right place. We're going to take a tour of the skills and ideas out there to reach and grow your audience and, shock horror, to make money from your creativity. You will be surprised how many people will support you on your way, on your in your business, when you actually tell them, I want to have a, a photography magazine. I talked to a couple of people and my dream is to have a photography magazine. I received bits of and pieces of help in different regard, which helped me achieve this goal. Mm. So don't be afraid, share your vision, share your passion, your dreams, and it will happen. I'm convinced. The thing is really 1% of pe people maybe do it. That's Tomasz Trebiatowski. Tomasz did something that almost everyone would advise him not to do. In this tough environment for publishing, he launched a new photography magazine called Frames off the back of building a successful online community of amazing photographers who share and discuss their work. He followed his passion and he manifested his dream into reality with persistence, belief, hard work and ingenuity. At The Print Space, we encourage you to build relationships and community with people who appreciate and follow your work. My discussion with Tomash is full of great advice on how to do that. Okay, I've got Tomash J. Biotowski with me here today, and he's the founder of Frames Magazine, as well as the Frames Community, which exists on Facebook and on other places as well. So thanks for joining me, Tomash. And uh, just like to start by asking you, how did you come to the point where you wanted to start a magazine? It seems to go a little bit against the grain, although it's incredibly successful and beautiful publication, but I'm sure everybody told you you were mad to <laughs> attempt it. So how, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what, how you got into the industry and then what led you up to the point of creating the, the magazine and the community? Yeah, of course. So first of all, uh, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So the entire story, it's how many hours do we have? I have to start somewhere, right? I'm a, a educated musician. So I studied actually classical piano playing and I'm still actively playing and also working even part-time job at the College of Music here in Lucerne, Switzerland. But at some point in my life, photography came along as a, and then developed into second passion. So you have the music, which is still there. And then I discovered photography. It was also a process. My father was into it as an enthusiast. And if I remember him developing films in our bathroom and so on and so forth. And this was somewhere there, but it was still not in those early years when I really caught the bug. I was helping him out and so on and so forth, but it, it was not like I was really into it. And then several, several years later only, like it was year 2000, I moved. So I, I come originally from Poland. And then because of my musical studies, I moved to Switzerland for my postgraduate degree. And it was here in Switzerland, it was year 2000, where I went really deeper into photography, started exploring it and became really passionate about it. It's like, chain of small events. There was a, I went on a crazy trip. It was also a musical trip actually, but it was a cruise to Antarctica, oh. which I was basically, I was, what's the word? I was in quote unquote employed there as a pianist. I was playing there for guests and so on. 
But then I thought that it was this trip way, which I thought, yeah, it would, wouldn't be the worst idea to have a camera with me traveling to Antarctic. And, and that's where it started. So that's why, how I got into photography, you know, started exploring, learning, editing, and we know the drill, right? All, all possible part mm. of this being a photographer. So I became a photographer myself, slowly you now going in, into it even more professionally, so to speak. I started photographing musicians. I had three years when I did some weddings as a photographer, believe it or not. So I tried several different things, several different brands of cam cameras, types of cameras and so on and so forth. And then at some point I discovered the Fujifilm X series system. And I really liked it. My first camera of Fujifilm was the X100S from them. And I, I really fell in love with the system. And this was then in turn, this stepping stone for my publishing endeavors, because I got so impressed with the Fujifilm system that I started blogging about it. Wait, blogging, it's already publishing is the first step, but I started a, a community of Fujifilm for users, international community on why I started Facebook groups, all of those things we do on the internet. And one thing led to another, and I ended up publishing a monthly digital, it's called Fujilab magazine. So a magazine for Fujifilm enthusiasts, Fujifilm users. And uh, this ma magazine is existing, it still exists till, till this day. Today, we just released the 80th edition of Fujilab magazine. Wow. So it's a monthly digital publication, right? So yeah, these were the beginnings. It's continuing until today and working on this digital magazine and looking at so many different images, photographs, connecting with different artists and being a photographer myself, I always felt somewhere inside me that Okay, digital is great, of course. This is, we are living in a digital age and so on. But I was every now and then experiencing something special when looking at photographs on paper. Of course, getting in touch with photography books, magazines, prints, exhibitions. And yeah, and I still, and somewhere along the way, this idea of actually creating something myself, something valuable and beautiful on paper was also planted somewhere in the back of my head. And exactly, probably we'll talk about it later some kind of entrepreneurial part of my brain started saving those ideas and it needed some time until now, until when the COVID pandemic started, where I decided, okay, yes, enough thinking, enough pre-visualizing, let's do it. And I decided to create a printed physical photography magazine and which is called now frames. And it's, mm. we are now eight editions, quarterly editions into it. The dreams, the ideas became reality. And we also have today beautiful community and the entire accompanying. So it's a paper printed magazine, but we have, of course, accompanying digital platform around it as well, where the members yeah. can log in and consume all possible kinds of content. You are familiar with the platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic community. And so it started with the magazine or did it start with the online community it started it's also a very special story and i don't know what angle you're going to take on this conversation we, i think we are talking about inspire inspiring other people may possibly having some ideas right to to maybe converting their passion into business yeah i think what's really interesting about what you've done is that when I look at the frames community, so often these online communities, they don't really work for some reason because they just descend into it's like negativity or maybe the loudest voices are not indicative of the entire community, but they kind of are the people who 
who end up dominating the conversation. And yet Frames I see is really different in the sense of it's a community that's just got amazing work, amazing inspiration for photographers. And yet it is a really positive place, which is rare for online communities. So yeah, I'm just wondering how that came about. Did that, did it, how does it maintain that? It's difficult, but at the same time, easy answer, a, a question to answer, I think. And I don't want to brag here about myself. Let's, do this clear, let's make it clear. But at the same time, I have to say one thing when, when it comes to communities. The, this, the same was happening at, and still happening in the Fujilove community and now at, in, the, in the Frames community. I'm busy. I'm working on all of those things, organizing content, creating the magazine, basically. It, 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 there is much work, but I have never given up on on being present myself in those community, in those Facebook groups, in those, I'm sending out my personal newsletters. And I think I'm a positive guy. I am a enjoy. And that's, we can also talk about it. How did I even manage without any kind of entrepreneurial or I don't know, business schools behind me, how to even start something like this or how did it happen? But yeah, it's as fun as my sound, but I think some part of my personality plays a role in, in keeping these communities friendly, connected, active. There is something about similar kinds of minds and people sticking to each other. Of course, let's take an example, a Frames Facebook group. I would have to have a look, but probably around, I don't even know now, is it 20,000 or 12,000 members? But this is a huge group of people, mm -hmm. right? Of course, we have those singular instances when some negativity or some yeah, not the friendless individual appears. We have some mechanism in place when people apply to, to join the group. We have, a, you can set up some kind of set of questions and we are trying to, to really at the gates, so to speak, of, of the group to make sure that decent, nice people are joining us. But of course, with 20, with thousands of people, you can't really control it without meeting them personally. First of all, you can't, you can't really control it. So of course it happens. So I think there are two elements to, to what makes this community nice one is i'm trying to be there trying to maintain this atmosphere posting myself judging people having good nice chats with them nice conversations and so on the second element is of course some kind of curation and moderation and when somebody crosses the line yeah he will be removed from the group basically i mean and it has to be something really bad but then it's absolutely clear there is certain ways we behave or we should behave when interacting with each other and when something bad happens yeah that's it's not always the easiest thing to do, but it's also, I think it's also important in the end. beginning. It was difficult for me, removing people from the group it's, mm. because it's also a negative act by itself. We have to remove you from the group. It sounds, yeah, but at, at some point I also learned, yeah, too much is too much. And then some, somebody being really negative, it doesn't belong here to, to our group and in, exactly in order to protect it, to, to keep it that nice and that friendly. Yeah. And yeah, I completely agree. It's with that many people, it's, it can easily go in a direction that it's not intended to go in. But from what I see of a group, there's a tremendous amount of respect for the group itself amongst people. So it becomes like self moderating to a certain degree. And then of course you're there to, as a constant presence. Do you think that having the magazine in a sense, because I think from what I'm hearing that the community started and then the magazine came from that. Do you think like having the magazine helps in, in creating a real sense of community? Because you have this beautiful curated set of work that's sprung up from the group 
and it and in that sense it it reminds you when you look at it of what a great place the group is because you actually can see all the work and you get that inspiration from so many different photographers as a result of them coming together in this way yeah i think so you're yeah, absolutely right here and it was also when i was initially thinking about the entire concept of the magazine itself and how it would exactly fit into the entire frames universe and community first of all maybe i just very quickly explain so you already mentioned when you look at frames magazine at the printed publication in each edition you will see a set of small portfolios photography portfolios or series both from very acclaimed famous names and we had steve mccurry and michael kenna and Elliot erwitt in the magazines already but next to those people to those extremely famous guys you will find exactly you will find people from our facebook community whose work you know and placed next to each other all of it is it might be amazing you can have a you can have a somebody who started photographing five months ago and be creating amazing work absolutely visually striking things which work equally great and impress you on the same level as the work of Leon Erwitt so that was the idea to also a show people that everybody's able to create amazing work and there's so many people doing it b exactly how you say involving the community in the production of the magazine people started now supporting and you know, cheering for each other in the group or, and when somebody appears in the actual printed edition it's, it's like a small celebration in in, in the group and it, it's and it makes exactly this group stronger and stronger and people knowing each other talking about each other's work encouraging each other and then and then comes the magazine with a few of them being featured and the group is celebrating and really people supporting and yeah uh, being happy for each other and that's of course the nicest part that's this community part right that's this uh, yeah becoming friends and knowing each other and yeah and yeah so yeah i could talk forever <laughs> be talking in circles a bit but yeah because it's, you can already see it's also something which actually fuels my entrepreneurial part of this whole frames world i enjoy it myself i enjoy being there with those people and this is what gives me in turn energy to producing all those things and i think this circle really closes itself very nicely it's no it's fascinating and so it's the promise of the internet isn't it that you can get recognized for your work based on its quality and not just your name and not just your reputation and the people and the connections you've built up, which was the sort of pre-internet world, particularly, you know, in anything in, in, in e-commerce or in selling prints or getting commissions, being represented by a gallery, et cetera. These were all things in the pre-internet world that you had to have an agent, you had to, it was about your name as much as your work to a certain extent. And I think what the internet has enabled in through social media is for people to connect directly with the people who like what they're doing and without that sense of having to go through these gatekeepers to get there and as much as social media is derided and for good reasons in 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 some cases it's also brought that opportunity hasn't it to really rise up just based on the quality of what you're producing absolutely so i exactly tackle this whole crowd of art this whole issue from a different angle so i am look i am i'm a curator here but i'm actively looking also for people who produce excellent work and i contact them and offer them to be printed in a magazine next to a photographer who is famous has been working for decades there in on the next page and it's already had two instances it starts working this makes me actually the most happy then it starts working in an in opposite direction 
frames slowly starting becoming recognized by certain people in the industry. And I, we had two instances of, we printed work of a quote unquote unknown photographer. She is now getting an exhibition in her local area because of the fact that we discovered quote unquote her work. So it can work in another direction. Just see myself as a, as a person who, yeah, maybe finds those unknown and new talents, artists that exactly like you say, they didn't have contacts. They didn't have, they are not even called professional photographers. I hate this term, but, and we can talk about it. They are photographers. It does not matter, but they produce beautiful work, excellent work. And it helps two people to actually make some contacts or somebody discovered them through them, who's running a gallery and so on and so forth. So it's just brilliant. I love it because yeah, helps showcasing their work in, in next places and even more people than discovered those photographers. So it's yeah, fast, fascinating dynamics. It is. It's fascinating because technology has allowed this to happen and it's increased the diversity of what you can see out there and whether it's music or the products you buy or the art you're looking at, the photography you're looking at, there is just a massively increasing volume, but diversity of things that, you know, because you can reach people directly. And I, I think that frames is a really interesting project as that I see from the magazines ha has that diversity of, of imagery. They're so used to seeing magazines pre 2000, where you get to expect what a certain type of work in it. So and if I could just quickly yeah. interrupt you, you know, so this was another aspect, another of those bullet points I had before even starting creating anything here, just my ideas for the magazine was exactly what you're saying, talking about now, putting in one publication, one magazine work of the entire variety of different genres, types, mediums, and so on. I, I really believe in one thing, also being my, a photographer myself, me personally, I like shooting street, maybe some kind of black and white abstracts, let's say, right? So this is what I enjoy photographing the most myself, but I absolutely love and always loved looking at all possible other kinds of photography. It Product photography might be one of them, landscape, portraiture. And I really believe in, the, in, in this idea of being inspired and discovering things, visual ideas in completely different kinds of images, which then in turn actually influence and inspire your own photography in whatever genre you might be working in. And this was also one of the very clear ideas for me. I want to have all possible genres of photography in this magazine. And, but of course, on a, on this excellent, really inspiring visual level, all of this, all of the work, right. And people seem to be really enjoying it because uh, very often we tend to get stuck in our smaller worlds, smaller circles, so landscape photographers look only at another work of another landscape photographers. And it can be so refreshing when you suddenly, wow, look at, I don't know exactly product photography, but you find something about light shapes, lines, whatever it might be that gives you a kick in maybe a slightly different direction in your landscape photography. It's just fascinating for me. Totally. This was, uh, yeah, this was also one, one of the ideas of, of what frames was going to be. Yeah. That cross pollination is, is really important to creating a unique sort of style in your own work is to take those influences from a lot of different places, just changing tact slightly. 
how has it worked from a business side of things? Was it really hard to get this going? This is what sometimes I get asked those kind of questions. Those are the, the, the most difficult for me because how I function and always have functioned is I didn't, it, it, maybe I should not be talking about it, but I didn't have any business plans or anything printed in my Excel files or, or so on. And the same was with Fujilife in the very beginning. With me, everything starts with a, with an idea, with a with an actually a very honest, personal excitement about an idea, about, and it was in those two cases, and usually it starts in my case with an idea of, a of exactly creating a community, or of gathering people around something and enjoying this time together on, on a long timeline. So being there all together in, in this. And this is exactly what happened also with Frames. Of course, I had an idea because it happened when Fujilaf was going. So I had this idea of a, of a photography magazine. Now, how do you start it? Sure, at some point I sat for a, for three hours and calculated roughly if it makes sense from a financial. I looked for printing offers, layout designer, so on and so forth, costs, and then possibly pricing of the magazine. It should not be losing money. This is clear, right? But but it's it in my case it's actually never this predominant thought and this predominant concern. I start with building the community start inspiring each other, inspiring people. In, in case of Frames, actually the very first element of this en entire Frames universe was a newsletter. So I got an idea and it's still running. It's my personal weekly newsletter. It's called Frames Letter. So it was the initial, it was the first thing which, which I started doing here. It was a weekly, it is a weekly photography newsletter. And of course I tried to promote it a little bit here and there using my existing communities, photography circles, using online social media, social yeah, platforms a little bit to spread the word. And this newsletter was going for almost two years already. I was sending it out for almost two years before I then came with the idea of the, of, with the announced the idea of the magazine. So yeah, when you ask me about this business perspective, I think passion translates into successful business. Your passion will always support your genuine passion will make your business ideas happen. And to true believer in this, sure, I am not saying there's no obstacles. There is, you start at some point, I had to start working on this magazine. And of course I had to look at for printers, for distribution, for shipping companies. It's not everything easy. It needs time and effort. This is, there is thousands of hours behind, behind it, of course. But if I would not have this passion for creating this everything, I would be just dead today. I would be just devastated and, and even frustrated. And it, it would not be there. I'm absolutely convinced. So I don't know if you were trying to get some more specific answers. Yeah, or... No, that's perfect because I think that it's obviously one of the negatives of what's happened with social media over the years is that it's really eaten into the traditional media and magazines. So it's brought benefits with it as we've already spoken about but also a lot of great publications have disappeared and it's really interesting to see a new one spring up but born out of this almost it's a new it's a new prototype for creating a magazine because it's really about the community and it comes from the community and the, and the magazine's born born out of that and that's really interesting to see because i think it's really important for people just find a sustainable future for publishing because it's got real value when when you see something it's great seeing stuff online but you swipe past it and it's out of mind whereas when you have a magazine you can pick it up you can go back to it you can be inspired by 
the work in it over a longer period of time. I think one of the things is exactly the fact that it's a physical magazine. And of course, it's a niche or niche. I don't know how you call it in the UK, but it's a niche thing. It's a, it's not a mainstream media. It's not a huge thing. It's a, I need my circle of people who appreciate and are equally excited about the similar things that I am about photography, great photography on paper. And you mentioned the magazines which, which disappeared. I often, of, I hear often the stories in most of the cases, I don't know all, all the details, but I can imagine maybe those magazines which were disappearing and didn't survive were probably the parts of bigger corporations to, to, to big extent, maybe probably more yeah. about it. Yeah. So there, there were probably a huge like overhead costs everywhere and it was just not sustainable at some point. Of course, frames, it's me, layout designer, proofread and a friend of mine who's helping with social media. That's basically it. It's not a team of 25 people and seven editors. Mm. I don't think it, and it's, I think one of the, it's a new way, exactly. It's a new way of publishing and maybe even making business in general, right? Uh, like maybe in your case, even running print space, uh, you are there, you are, it's probably much about you being there really personally, you know, your soul, pouring your soul into it and so on. It's you're in touch with your own business and you're also in touch with your customers, right? Probably yeah. very often personally. And this is of course huge. A publication of 25 years ago, I don't think the, any of the readers were meeting the, the publisher or the editor in person. Hmm. This is huge. It then it, there is less costs. It's a smaller circle of people working on it, but it also needs it, that I don't need millions of readers would be nice, but no, just kidding. But I, it's, I don't need Absolutely. hundreds. I don't need hundreds of thousands of subscribers to do what I love doing to, in, to, to keep enjoying this community, to, to, of course, to be proud of producing a beautiful publication and just having this smaller circle of people who enjoy it and it's fine and it's sustainable. Then it's not blown out of proportions and so on. It would be then not possible to for me to run it in, with such a mini small team. Absolutely. I think it's great. And I love the magazine. And I think when you have something in print and obviously we're doing print ourselves and in a different way with art prints on the wall, I think when you, there's a real difference when you, okay, so you're on social media, you can look at people's reels, you can see great work that people are doing. But when you have something in front of you and you look at it every day for five years, or you have a magazine that you go back to every few weeks for a few years, it's, it affects you, these images affect you in a much deeper way, in a much, they have a much deeper sort of effect on, on the way you think and maybe your own work as well. And I think that's something that's really important with print of any kind and that we've lost slightly. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first huge difference is that Almost automatically, when you have a photograph on, on, on paper in your hands, automatically, it will not be three seconds or four seconds. It will be automatically a little longer while this first encounter anyway, because it's just slower process. Scrolling, scrolling. Sometimes we even miss images which are actually valuable uh, because I think this, the habit of scrolling is already there. So we actually scroll too fast. And some, I'm pretty sure we sometimes miss actually images that we would actually find valuable because we don't give them enough chance, enough, enough seconds, whatever it might be to try to maybe look at them a bit closer. But if you have it in a bit longer, but if you have them in your hands, in your, on the paper, in your hands, you automatically 
spend more time it's it's bigger on the magazine and so on and so forth and of course you start looking more in detail more spending more time trying to understand and especially if the image starts speaking to you like you said you keep coming to it oh let's oh it was good let's have a look once more you really start getting acquainted with this image we don't do it often i think with a with an Instagram feed, when we look for an image which we saw a week ago. I do now, but I'm an editor of a magazine, so my, my, my work is different. I'm, of course, choosing the images for the magazine, so I do my best to really give each of the photographers I meet online, give their work a proper look, of course, And uh, but it's, it's, uh, in this role, I'm not the average you know, consumer. Yes. So it's a slightly different process, of course. But yeah, absolutely. So, so you are completely right here the a photograph on paper it's it's a completely different relation we are than having with the image than on our mobile phone screen absolutely and i think people value that and i think people are coming back to that as well we had the emergence of social media and everybody and this was a new thing this was this was a new way of consuming content but i think we're balancing a little bit between the two now and people wanting to actually have a deeper relationship with some images. Just something you touched on about looking at images for the magazine. How do you choose what goes in there? What's the process there? So, yeah, I have, let's say, a few different processes in place because, like I mentioned before, yeah, so we, I, I try to have a big name in each of the editions. So this is, of course, different way. We already know about the photographers. So I'm reaching out to people, sometimes directly, sometimes through, to, through somebody who knows somebody, of course, and trying to get those names into the magazine. So this is one thing, of course, but the community itself. So we have a extremely active, this is almost like a heart of the community right now. This is the Facebook group. I am in this group daily. This is my main process of curating and searching for images, which could potentially be featured in the magazine. We have also monthly digital companions, which are accompanying exactly the, the main magazine. I am daily personally in the group and people, some people really don't believe me. And again, I keep getting messages asking me about, is this really true? I look at every single image being posted in the group. It is still doable. I need an hour probably on average daily. But I look at every single image in the group and there's even something invented some time ago. If I like, if I really particularly some image, I give it my editor's applause. It also became a thing in the group, people enjoying this. Yeah. yeah, it's a special thing, but definitely. So this is the main process of me evaluating, curating, choosing images for the magazine. Still doable, as I said, because if the group would grow five five x let's see i was already thinking how i would approach it in the future but it's still the way i really do it i manually browse through to all images being shared and th there is so much amazing work my my main problem these days is that in the printed magazine and which is quarterly we have seven artists be, being featured so we have place for seven seven portfolios in the magazine but there is like hundreds of people or if not a couple of thousand, there's hundreds of excellent photographers in the group. So I'm just, <laughs> my, my, my list to be featured is becoming longer and longer, but it's not sustainable unless we would switch to weekly, I think, <laughs> with the magazine. But yeah, there are worse problems. Yeah, there is enough great work really to choose from. And this is also yeah encouraging and amazing. There's so many people producing amazing photographic work these days of a different kind. And the quality in the group is fantastic and diverse. So. Mm -hmm. For photographers, 
these days, it's been a major shift, hasn't it, over the last sort of 15 years in, in the way they make their careers. Uh, along that road, there's been a lot of negativity around the industry or fatalism, I would say, in terms of people saying, oh, being a photographer is a kind of thankless task. I think things like frames emerging and showing a business model that that, that actually is sustainable is really important for the community. What do you, what, what's your viewpoint on the life and the prospects of a professional okay. photographer now and going forward in the next 10, 15 years? How do they have to adapt and is it still a sustainable career? I, yeah, I strongly believe it is. Of course, things change. We went through this huge digital revolution where, like we say, everybody can be a photographer suddenly. And there's so many people take pictures. So many more people tried selling their images, being published, getting jobs and so on. So most probably the entire market became oversaturated in a way. But it doesn't necessarily mean, I think, that the amount of people creating exceptional work, very good work, also million x It doesn't mean that. There is for sure millions of photographs more being taken but in in some paradoxical way i think in this huge sea of images being created on a daily basis if you produce really good work it will almost stand out more clearly we scroll <laughs> let's again take a talk talk about social media we scroll scroll so we see we're looking at thousands of images and then suddenly one is sticking out in an extremely positive way. In some way, this person is getting even more attention. And I think his or her skills in, will be taken even more seriously then. And the need for photography is it's definitely there. We are living in, with all technological revolution and exactly digital times where images are needed every, everywhere. Of course, there is even more of them being needed, right? For mm thousands of different reasons. I have the feeling this ratio is okay. And of course, I'm also talking to many photographers, you probably as well, I don't know what your impressions are, but I am seeing people, the, even the people from the frames community, they are, they are different, they're really working on different kinds of things. And some of them making their living, at least partially making their living in a really different ways. The more creative maybe you are, not only with your photography, but also with the ways it can be presented, where it can be presented. I came up with a printed photography magazine again, when somebody, when most of the people thought, thought they were already dead. I can partially, at least partially su support my living, my family with this thing today, which is, and it's not even about my photography. So I think when you are coming with your own very special creative skills, honest skills, honest new angles on, on, on the imagery and then combine it with open-minded ideas to how to present them, to which people to talk, which people to convince. I am convinced, again, back to the same thing we talked If you have this passion and you want them to be seen, you will find your way and, I, and you will also make the living if you really want to make the living from your photograph. I think it's doable. But totally. We, for example, we decided in 2014 to start building tools for photographers to sell art online and for us to fulfill automatically the sales. And we saw when we first released this in 2015, we saw some photographers just jump on this straight away because they were already talking through social media to their people who are enjoying their work and 
they they had this kind of strong connection it was a two-way conversation between them and their followers and the people looking at their images and enjoying them and it was just a really natural step for them to say i'm just going to sell prints directly to these people and then we had other people who was other photographers saying no i want to go find a gallery and do it in that way and i think the thinking has shifted now and we honestly we we see so many people make a completely sustainable and more than sustainable living from selling prints directly to their audience and that's a completely new way of sustaining yourself as an artist as a photographer i have one analogy which i give often as an example and we are now on an audio podcast so i think the listeners can't but we are now on video recording it you can see you can look behind me you, you see the lps yes so i started listening to lp records again they were obviously at home when i was a child when my father but we went through the CD era, we went through the MP3 era and Spotify and Apple Music and everything, which is great and still there. Those LPs you see back there, I started collecting and listening seven months ago. Wow. So look, we went through all of that and for whatever reason might be, and it's some kind of emotional reason in me somewhere, for whatever the reason might be, I started buying me, so the average consumer, customer of the music industry, I started buying again records and I bought a record player. And so after the wave of di pure digital era and everything being on, 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 on our hard drives, those record stores and companies producing LPs, their business curves and revenues are going up again. I think photography on paper and printing is a little bit behind. Because the CDs were a bit earlier, I think, even then, right? Than the digital cameras. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. People will start missing. So, A, people who knew it before will start missing this thing and start buying and listening and you and looking at books, photography books and, and photographs on paper and on the walls again. So the curve will start going up. The problem is the young people who don't know it. And I realize that sometimes I meet a photographer, a young person, since he or she was born, there was only <laughs> digital cameras, iPhones. He never held a, a book in his hands. And then I showed them the magazine. And, this, and they're into photography, obviously. They are just digital. I showed them the magazine. They're like, wow, this is beautiful. I have never even thought about printing my... I have to print my images. And so the young generations, we have to show it to them. Older generations like us, Stuart, we will start missing things. And we do. You see the LP records here. That's the example. And I'm an average. I'm into music, obviously, as well. That's the mechanism. So I'm not so worried, to be honest. Absolutely. And I think with music, that's a great example because when streaming came along and even iTunes, but then streaming, there was this sense that, okay, this is definitely the death of the music industry. And now, I don't think it's ever been healthier. A lot of bands that uh, are touring a lot more, they're doing way more festivals. And there's that kind of desire to connect in more of a physical way with the music. And you can say the same thing for film, right? Video recorders, in fact, the film industry try to actually ban them. They try to, I believe they tried to actually ban them because they said, look, this is going to kill cinema. And yeah, going to the cinema, going with friends, it's a social experience you absolutely afterwards you talk about it yeah. and so i think that 
you've seen it in every other sort of te technological sort of change where there's been the digital experience and there's still the desire for that physical experience and whether that's if we're talking about photography that's in print or actually having a show having a having an exhibition where people could an art fair or or whatever a workshop where you can actually come together and you can actually talk about the work and is there any plans for frames to do any sort of physical events yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So after the two, three years now of existence of frames, we have an online community and the magazine being there in the center, of course, because it's exactly what you mentioned. I, now, okay, the, we also had the pandemic now, so things were during exactly those two, three years were a bit more difficult. But but what happened in the in our online community, people already know each other, recognize each other from online. Some of them have even Facebook, Instagram, they have the profile pictures. So we know the faces of even, but this need of meeting in person is there. And yeah, as we speak, I am actually preparing a, like a photography membership club within Frames community, which will be exactly this. It will be this next level, this next step in connecting those who really are so eager to meet each other, exchange prints, talk about it, meet with another, with also more famous photographers in person, on location. So we are thinking about setting a couple of events, maybe in, in major cities, meetings, meetups, and uh, and also working together on, on uh, group exhibitions. And yeah, yeah. so absolutely, yeah, this is a natural process and I hope it will be happening soon. I think that there's a really good lesson in all of this for photographers and developing your career, because I do come across photographers who say, okay, I'm just going to do exhibitions or, or some photographers, I'm just going to use social media to promote myself. But I think that what I see from a lot of the successful artists that we see is that they're looking to create a community around their work. People who are passionate about their work in the same way you've created a community around photography and art photography in general. And you use all these mediums, you use email newsletters, you use social media, you interact on social media. It's a two-way conversation. You have exhibitions where you meet and you develop that community to a, to, to a in a different way, in a physical way. And you can see it even with photographers and artists on Patreon, where people actually want to be part of that photographer's career progression. They want to help. They want to be part of a community. They want to feel like they have contributed and to to the development of, of the artist and then they own a piece of the work maybe they have it on their wall they can talk about how they've had this two-way interaction over a period of time and they feel a deeper relationship with the work as a result of it and i think there's a really good message for photographers even as individuals to create community around around what they do and people who are passionate about what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Deep down, we I think we as humans, we are this kind of species. We need each other. We want to meet, we want to change ideas, we want to talk, we want to yeah, discover each other. And I think internet is great. There's no question about it because it, it helps us on those first steps of connecting all around the globe, making connections and friends. But in the end, meeting the, those people who you already started going online, meeting them in, in person, it's such a beautiful moment. I experienced it, when, I remember back when we were running some events with Fujilove. So with the Fujifilm photographers. We knew each other from the group, from the, our forums and so on. And then came this first event, it happened. And, oh, that's you, John. 
that's you. I remember you from the profile picture. And, and then you start talking about photography in person. This was the, this, these are the most amazing moments, the most beautiful moments. Absolutely. I'm so happy. It's also happening around, around the magazine. And uh, I'm, I'm really impatiently waiting for this first in-person, on-location meeting where some of those people will give each other a hug and, and they start talking about your newest camera and your, your newest book or whatever it might be. And it's just another level then of passion <laughs> kicking in, in in those moments. Absolutely. So I always ask, as to round off the podcast, I always ask, what advice would you give to a photographer who's starting out today or wants to leave the job they're in and pursue their passion full time? What advice would you give them to develop a sustainable career? Yeah, first of all, so based on what you already have, everyone heard here for, through this hour, First of all, really, when it comes to your photography itself, I, I would say absolutely follow your instincts and passion and intuition when it comes to what kind of images you want to make, what resonates with you, with yourself. We often get afraid on those initial stages of our career to get criticized, you know, to even show the work. You have to show the work. If it's something you're really happy with, A, you have to be happy with, start showing it yeah, and believe in it talk to people about it show it show share your passion don't hide it then nothing will happen yeah if you do that so this is the first step and if you really believe in your work uh, your services whatever it might be and you will start talking about it with this passion it will come across and it's contagious and you will find like i found like you found or like all of those who found you will also found, find your circle of clients customers, admirers, it will just happen. There is millions of people and make those steps. Just go out, talk about it, show the work and whatever it might be in whatever genre you might be working. But I don't have a better advice because this is what I did and what worked to the extent that I am happy with. So again, we don't need, you don't need millions of customers. You need your, you need your, if it's a business, you need maybe depending on what you are doing, maybe you need hundred people and you are fine. Maybe you need 500 people and maybe you need 2,000 people and you are fine. It will take some time, a year, two, five, when you're starting now from scratch, but it will happen. But only if you, A, believe in your own work, also work on developing it, getting better, but B, showing it, talking to people about it and telling them what do you want to achieve. Mm. It's an important step. We are so often so afraid and, and I was this way when I also had to learn it, to tell other people what we want to achieve. It, you will be surprised how many people will support you on your way, on your in your business, when you actually tell them, I want to have a, a photography magazine. I talked to a couple of people and my dream is to have a photography magazine. I received bits of and pieces of help in different regard, which helped me achieve this goal. Mm. So don't be afraid, share your vision, share your passion, your dreams, and it will happen. I'm convinced. The thing is really 1% of pe people maybe do it. And Absolutely, so yeah. be in this 1% or let's make it 2%. Then there is even more of us being happy in the future. <laughs> so. That's brilliant advice. Yeah, I've experienced that myself. People are so willing to want to help if you just tell them what you're trying to achieve and convey that passion. And one, one, one last thing I want to add maybe is, so as a photographer really, because, okay, I'm maybe now today I was talking more from position of a photographer publisher, but as a photographer, make sure you talk to 
non-photographers. We can talk as much as we want to do to another photographers, but those won't be necessarily the ones buying our prints. They want to sell their prints. So it's, <laughs> make sure you talk to people. If you're creating fine art, print, fine art prints, talk to whoever, to people with houses and apartments, right? I had a period, and I'm still doing it now a bit less, but I, being a musician myself, I used to photograph musicians naturally. I wanted to photograph them playing. I was doing some portraiture of them. So they were exactly, they were not photographers. They were musicians, most of them not having anything to do with photography, but I started showing them. I love to photograph the concert. I love to, I love to take some, I would love to take some pictures of you, of you rehearsing. Suddenly within two years, I was getting emails asking me for, could you come and photograph our ensemble? Could you cover this festival? It just happens. Really, believe me, it happens. You just have to go out and talk to people and show them your work. That's great advice. I think that's great advice for offline and online. The power of social media is actually to have a two-way conversation with people who, who like your work and to develop that relationship with them. If you really love someone's work and you comment on that and they comment back to you and that that feels really great that to actually have a conversation with the person who made the work. I, I was speaking to someone else on another episode of this podcast and people buy into you as much as they buy into your work. Absolutely. If they can have that conversation, if they can have that little moment where you can explain why you shot this and what the idea was, and you can have that connection. That's really the power of social media. And don't, we have all great, often big dreams. And we then tend to, we compare ourselves to those very often who are somewhere way much away on the whole career path. And it puts us down. I will never achieve this. I will never be Steve McCarroll, or Michael Kenna or whoever it might be. Start locally. Like. He also started somewhere. He was not immediately a National Geographic primetime photographer. He started locally. So for example, let's say I dream about being the most famous classical music photographer in the world. I have to start with my, my local band or my local chamber music ensemble in my little town. Don't like, don't skip the, those necessary steps. Start mm. with, start mm. locally. It's also, it's, and then naturally I started here. I'm in Switzerland, in Lucerne, uh, something happened here. After a few months, somebody called from Zurich. And, but you have to start somewhere and people have to start talking about your work and about and knowing that you are doing it in the first place. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and I've learned a lot and uh, wish you the very best of luck with the continuation and the growth of the community. Yeah, thank Brilliant. you so much, Stuart.